Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Macomb, Oklahoma. This case was originally intended to be an in-the-news episode, but it turned into a full-blown episode, and then so much happened that it's going to be a two-parter. That being said, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. I'm sure anybody who has kids has gone into an elementary school and met someone where you're just like, holy crap, this is where you're meant to be. This is the job you're meant to have. You're going to be somebody that influences kids far beyond the time that they spend with you. And today's episode is about a woman just like that named Michaela Meave Byers. It's a case that was sent to me by someone who lives local to the area where this happened. And I was able to speak to some of the locals about all of this while it was going on. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here to rage. Michaela Meave Byers didn't have any biological children of her own, but rest assured, she was a mother of six. She had adopted two teenagers out of foster care because she wanted to give them some stability, someone to just really call their mother, and a home they could grow up in for the rest of their teenage lives, and a home they could come back to for the rest of their lives. On top of that, she also had four stepdaughters who were the young daughters of her husband, Frank Byers, from his previous marriage. Frank and Michaela had gotten married in June of 2022 and lived on a piece of property on a big plot of land off of Hamilton Road in Macomb, Oklahoma. The home was set back about 500 feet down a really, really long driveway on the property. Hamilton Road is essentially the definition of the middle of nowhere when I tell you that the only reason you're on Hamilton Road is because you know someone on Hamilton Road. I cannot stress that enough. Macomb, Oklahoma is so small that it almost doesn't exist. It isn't even measured in square miles. It's measured in acres, coming in at a whopping 58 of them, and the population is a staggering 24 entire people. You're only in Macomb if you live there or you know someone who lives there, and the same goes for Hamilton Road. The closest Target looks to be about 27 miles away or a 36-minute drive, and the closest Walmart looks like it's about 29 miles away for another 36-minute drive. All of this information will come in handy later when we shit on every detail of the bullshit story you're about to hear. On Sunday, September 16th, 2023, the Potawatomi Sheriff's Department took to Facebook to say that they were looking for missing 30-year-old Michaela Meave Byers. They said they believe she was last seen the previous Friday, so the 15th, near Macomb Road and Hamilton Road, which is an intersection really close to her house. They said she was last seen wearing a reddish-brown Macomb County Public School t-shirt that said, it's a great day to be a hornet, hashtag teacher life along with blue jean shorts and a multicolored quilt pattern backpack. They were able to get pictures of the items, and because someone going missing while carrying a backpack might come with a connotation that maybe they had packed it to leave for an extended period of time, I want to clarify here that this was more of a purse type of backpack, something that plenty of women wear to carry around their wallet, chapstick, cell phone, and anything else we can collect. The sheriff's office stated that it is alleged that she left the home voluntarily in a white Chevy pickup truck extended cab with tinted windows. The man driving the truck was reportedly a tall, balding white man with a dark colored beard. 
The department asks that anyone with information please contact them. From second one of reading that post, it seemed pretty clear that law enforcement didn't necessarily believe everything told to them. If they truly believed that she had voluntarily left the house with the man in that truck, they probably wouldn't have used the term allegedly. It was Sunday and she had disappeared Friday, so it was time to do some retracing of the steps, so I rushed to the comments. There, I saw some people identifying as Michaela's co-workers who said that they had last seen her on Friday when she was rushing home from work. I spoke to a local who knows one of Michaela's co-workers who claimed that Frank had been blowing up her phone that day and that might have been why she was rushing home. The only person who claims to have seen her after that is indeed Frank. And fear not, because Frank was up in those comments too. In a bizarre comment, he wrote, I love you. Please come home if you see this. I seen you getting in the truck with that guy. Who leaves a comment for their missing wife under a sheriff's department post and in the process reminds her that he saw her getting into a truck with someone that wasn't him. Obviously, I ran over to his page like the internet might break and holy mother of dumpsters, it's on fire. Between posts and comments on posts and back and forth arguments, I was able to screenshot and watch the following unfold in real time. Brace yourself because if Jerry Springer had a true crime episode, Frank would be the only star. At the time of the sheriff's department's announcement that Michaela was missing, I could not find one single post that Frank had made on his own about his wife being missing. The news can be a couple of days behind, but I fully expected him to be rallying the troops on social media, you know, in case any of her friends might know where she is, but he wasn't. Not a peep on Friday, nothing on Saturday, and nothing on Sunday. Maybe he deleted it, but I highly doubt he did because dude doesn't delete things that he really should because it is his own mouth and fingers of fury that get him up shit creek without a popsicle stick, and we love that for him. But anyway. He did start posting on the 17th when the news caught wind of the story and a whole two entire people commented. I wonder how shitty a person has to be for only two people on your friends list to care that your wife is missing. So I checked to see how long he'd even had this account and wouldn't you know, it looks like it had just been created back in August. So a month or so prior to his wife going missing. He's a vocal dude, so it's hard to believe he'd never been on Facebook until August of 2023, but I did hear through the grapevine that he and Michaela may have had a shared account at one point, but recently they had split it up. Michaela took him off of hers and she kept that account, so maybe that's when Frank started this one. Why would we have a shared account and then split said account? Patience, my friends, because that is coming. Even though the account was new, Michaela's case was picking up traction and the posts, comments, and article shares were coming in at warp speed. 
In comments, Frank added some details about mystery truck driving bald guy and said that he was maybe six feet tall, wearing blue jeans and a white t-shirt, and the truck was an early 2000s model. The consensus online seemed to be that this mystery guy, who we're going to name Chad for no reason whatsoever, had picked Michaela up at the end of their very long driveway. I measured that out on a map and it came up to roughly 500 feet long, so Frank has got to have eagle eyes at this point. People wondered how Frank could have possibly known the height and outfit choice of a man in a truck 500 feet away, so he added that Chad had gotten out and hugged Michaela before Michaela got in and the two pulled out of the driveway and headed north together. It seemed like Frank had an answer for everything, so the questions kept coming, like why was she getting into a truck with another man? Frank decided to share with the world that he and Michaela had an open relationship and she had been talking to other men via Facebook dating. Frank said that he didn't want the open relationship, but he was willing to agree to it if that meant that he wouldn't lose Michaela. He claimed that he tried to ask her who she had been talking to, but Michaela told him it was none of his business. And this is where all hell breaks loose. It doesn't look like Frank's loved ones got the memo, you know, about the open relationship thing, because someone who claimed elsewhere on Facebook to be one of his family members said that Michaela was probably rushing home from work so she could get ready for her date before her husband showed up, adding, and I quote, wouldn't that be awkward explaining to your husband that you've got a date? If we're gonna make shit up, we should probably really make sure that the people waiting in the wings to come to our defense understand the assignment. But we're very grateful that didn't happen here. Michaela's entire life revolved around her kids. She was the Pinterest mom who was hard and soft all at the same time. She wanted to know what was going on in your life. She wanted to talk to you about your feelings. She wanted to help you with your schoolwork, and she wanted to steer you in the right direction. She was juggling six children, a teacher's aid job, and her schooling to get her teaching certificate, and would have zero extra time on her hands for Friday night dates. And if she rushed home to get ready for a date, she probably wouldn't have still been wearing her Macomb school t-shirt and jean shorts. But I digress. When Michaela's teenage son, Frank's stepson, saw what was being said, he jumped into the comments and even tagged Frank when he said, Frank Byers is lying. She is no longer his wife. He has been caught cheating several times and that caused him to separate. A woman who seemed to know Michaela chimed in as well, calling full bullshit, adding, didn't you even cheat on y'all's wedding day? Frank's story was unraveling at record speed, and within a millisecond, we knew that there had allegedly been a whole hell of a lot of cheating going on, and according to Michaela's own son, Michaela wasn't Frank's wife, she was his estranged wife, which does change things in the world of true crime. And aside from the obvious holes in the open marriage going on dates theory, I need to mention another one that only the people closest to Michaela knew. Michaela was terrified of other drivers. One of her friends commented online that Michaela never let anyone else drive. If you were going somewhere with her, you could bank on getting comfortable in the passenger seat because you definitely were not going to be driving. The idea that she would have hopped into the passenger seat of a truck with the dude she met on Facebook seemed like a slim to none chance. All side eyes are on Frank at this point, and it is all out Facebook war. One of Michaela's friends asked Frank to share the footage from the cameras if bearded bald Chad really did pick her up and added, or did you turn that off too? 
Obviously, this friend had information we don't have, but reading between the lines here, it sounds like she was probably aware of some specific cameras that should have caught Chad if Chad existed, but Frank commented that the only camera they had was in the house. The face you're making right now is probably the same one I made. Why would there be a camera inside the house? But a local told me that their understanding was that Michaela had the cameras in the house to keep an eye on the girls when they were home from school before she got off of work. If there used to be cameras outside, it definitely doesn't seem like there were anymore, at least not that we know about. So we know Frank's version of events at this point, which is good because we're going to pick that apart. KFOR picked up the story and Michaela's family told them that police pinged her phone and it registered within three miles of her house. Unless Michaela's date involved going to church, walking through the woods or visiting a cemetery, there is nowhere within three miles that they could have gone. It seems like bullshit. And it is because News 9 really closed in on that three mile radius and said that that ping registered at 6.11 p.m. from the address she was reported missing from. Frank had said she had left with Chad at 5.30 p.m. So if that's the case, depending on either if it was the day she disappeared or after she disappeared, why would her phone be pinging at the house she left from? Her phone had since been turned off, and one of her friends noted that Michaela would never leave her phone off for this long. If she was pissed at Frank, she might turn it off just to stop the damn notifications, but she would have let her family know, or at least turn it back on to contact them. She wouldn't go off the whole entire grid and leave her two adopted children wondering where she was, and her four stepchildren with no one but Frank, because as we can gather, Frank sucks. Michaela's sister later told News 9 that when he and Michaela separated earlier in the summer, Frank had offered Michaela full custody of his girls because he couldn't handle them. Her sister said that the only reason she was staying at the Hamilton Road property was for those girls. She was not staying in the same building as Frank, though. She had made herself a little she shed away from his. The searches for Michaela started and never stopped. KOCO reports that police used dogs and infrared drones, but found no sign of her anywhere. Locals started posting on Facebook, telling Frank to organize a search for her, but he responded with, I don't know where we would start. Dude's wife is missing, estranged wife. And when it comes to looking for her, he can't muster up a single idea. Eventually, someone posted a link to a search party they were organizing for her, and then Frank started sharing that search information with anyone who asked, the definition of doing the absolute least. While the general public of Macomb, Oklahoma, was doing anything they could to try and find Michaela, Frank was a busy, busy man. With one love interest missing, he was dedicated to finding another. Someone posted a screenshot of a DM they had gotten the morning prior to Michaela going missing at 12.09 a.m. It read, Again, I'm sorry it's so late. This is the first chance I'm really able to do whatever I want because I have been through a lot of mental and physical abuse by my ex. Wait, what? 
But but you said you were in an open relationship and only because Michaela wanted it. But here, Frank is DMing a woman hours before his wife went missing, calling her his ex and claiming she was abusive, all in the name of being able to do whatever he wants. The woman who shared that screenshot also stated that he had pulled this with his previous ex. After that revelation, another woman came in and made some pretty damning accusations. I believe her, but because I have to be careful about what I say when there's no legal documentation of something, I can't go into a ton of detail, but let's just say that this woman was equal parts horrified and not surprised that Frank's wife was missing and something didn't seem right. Sending a message to another woman prior to Michaela going missing is one thing, but it was the messages Frank sent after that turned everything upside down. A woman posted a screenshot of a Facebook dating profile with Frank's pictures and a just-joined badge. The bio read, Hi, my name is Frank. I'm 31 and just going through life seeing what's what. Bitch, you left out that your wife is missing. But anyway, the woman's screenshot included a notification that read, Frank replied to your photo with the message, How are you doing, gorgeous? The woman who posted the screenshot was the woman he had messaged and she didn't know Frank from a hole in a beehive. Frank responded to her screenshot saying it was none of her business what he did and she let him know that he made it her business when his weaselly ass slid into her DMs. Frank didn't even recognize at the time that she was the one he had messaged. I would be very curious to see how many women got similar messages because his Instagram account does not have a ton of followers, but the ones that he does have tend to be half naked. He's not following them, so I am very curious as to how all of these half naked women found Frank and decided to follow him. He has the personality of a wet paper towel. He is short with a shitty mustache and a bad haircut. He looks like the kind of guy who would cry when he gets mad, constantly asked to be the little spoon, and asked to use your debit card to pick up the check. Frank tried saying the screenshot was actually taken before Michaela went missing and that she was just trying to make him look bad because he wasn't on Facebook dating anymore. But our girl had no problem showing the metadata with the date and time that she took the screenshot. Then it was, oh, it's someone pretending to be him, but that wouldn't explain how one of the photos on the Facebook dating profile wasn't anywhere else on his public Facebook account and how they had the same one mutual friend in common that they still have. It's really hard to argue with any of that and the fact that it looked like Facebook dating was not his only avenue of finding love. Another woman posted a screenshot of a Meet Me account with Frank's bio, and the bio read, I am 31, I have kids, and am a blue-collar worker. I will give you my attention that I can give you, and we can see where it goes. Ask me anything, I am an open book. Not only is he not a catch, but dude is absolutely fucked in the argument department because the location on that dating profile showed him in El Reno, which is where it was well-rumored he had run off to. It's about an hour or so away, and he has family there. On September 20th, all of Macomb was looking for Michaela. Posters noticed that Frank hadn't commented on anything in a few hours and said it was strange, but a woman we're going to call Alice said that Frank's attorney told him to only share things and not read the comments because they had been upsetting. She said that he had been handing out flyers all day and police hadn't given any updates. However, 
all of that was about to change. A local I spoke to said that just before 6 p.m., she and some others were headed to Michaela's property to try and help search for her. There was a lot of woods to comb through, but before they could, seven law enforcement vehicles raced past her. The local told me that immediately following, one of Michaela's family members told her that they had just found Michaela's body. We know that it was Michaela, but the public didn't for another few days. Initial reports from OKC Fox and News 9 said that a body had been found close to Michaela's home. It was wrapped in a carpet and placed inside of a culvert. For anyone who doesn't know, a culvert is one of those concrete tubes that runs under a road to let water pass through it. The local was able to give me a little more detail about this and where that culvert was. And according to her, it was roughly 1,000 feet south of the end of Michaela and Frank's driveway. If we want to take a trip on back to the Chad story, who in the actual hell would take someone on a date, kill them, and then bring their body back to the area of their home within 1,000 feet? To go on a date anywhere in that area, they would have had to take a mini road trip. So why would a stranger killer go through the effort of putting her body back by her house? And another thing I want to point out is that this culvert is obscure as hell. Macomb itself is obscure as hell. If someone unfamiliar with the area drove through it, they might actually think, wow, this is a place that you could really hide a body and no one would find it. But no, Michaela's body was obscured in the obscure. You would have to know that that culvert exists underneath that specific part of this desolate road, which screams to me that whoever put her there is familiar with the area. And knowing Macomb has a population of 24 people and the description of Chad didn't fit anyone's bill, I think we can all agree that Frank's story is sounding a whole lot like bullshit. The way Michaela's body was found is horrendous. Her cousin, cousin, was searching for her along with some of her cousin's friends. And well, here's a quote from the 911 call via OKC Fox. She said, I was searching with my friend for my cousin that's missing, Michaela Meave. I think we just found her. We were walking down all of the canals close to the water and we smelled something. My friend got down there and found her. She's inside there 100%. In the background of the call, you can hear someone say, that bracelet is hers, I can guarantee it. A local who was nearby watching the police activity said that Michaela's quilt purse and signature Hey Dude shoes were also used to quickly identify her at the scene. Though it doesn't look like Frank knew what was going on, because that same local said that seven minutes after Michaela was found, the friend she was with got a message from him talking about a search party that was meeting at a local gym in three days. Three days from then. This message came in seven minutes after Michaela's body was found. He was also finally posting on Facebook again, but nothing about her body being found, just the fact that she was missing. Michaela's cause of death was not obvious at the time she was found, but it does look like decomposition may have played a factor in that. It had been a hot summer in Macomb. Michaela had been missing for five days. Her body had been wrapped in carpet and muddy water had been passing through that culvert. 
And while we don't know her cause of death yet, I do want to mention that I found one comment from a woman who said she lived a few houses down from them and claimed to have heard gunshots at around 2 a.m. on Saturday, so eight or so hours after Frank claims Michaela left with Chad. I did do a little digging to try and confirm whether or not she did live that close to the buyers, and holy shit, she did. If you map out where this woman lives and where Michaela lived, where her body was found is almost right in between, right in the middle. It took until the 22nd, but the sheriff's office did publicly confirm that the body found belonged to Michaela. Her cause of death had yet to be determined, but the undersheriff told People magazine that they hadn't been able to locate anyone matching the description of the bald man, aka fake Chad. This was yet another glorious moment where it felt like the sheriff's department was throwing shade in the only way they could. On September 23rd, a vigil was held for Michaela at a local high school, but according to News 9, Frank wasn't allowed to attend due to the investigation. From what I've been told, a group of Michaela's supporters actually parked their trucks in a way that Frank wouldn't be able to see what was going on at the vigil from the parking lot across the street. Local news outlets reported on the emotional speeches made by Michaela's family, but based on the comments below them, they seem to have left a few things out. One attendee claimed that Frank and his buddies were in the back of a truck yelling, and another person chimed in claiming that Frank had a herd of people in the Dollar General parking lot who would yell anytime someone would speak. There was also a few comments about someone possibly using a weed eater or leaf blower to disrupt things at night and recalled Michaela's mom having to speak through tears and over people causing a ruckus. A couple of days went by with no real updates, but then the bombshells hit. News 9 got a hold of some case documents and reported that investigators who searched Michaela's she shed found broken glass under her bed, blood on the bed sheets, blood spots on the floor, and two 22 caliber shell casings also under her bed. Frank's friend Alice told News 6, I was told it was nothing more than a nosebleed. In Frank's home on the property, police found a 22 caliber rifle that appeared to have been recently fired. There was residue still on the barrel and a breach. News 9 did a video on this update and did the whole flip the pages fast thing, then brought up magnified quotes, but I wanted to know what those flipped pages said, so I paused that video by the millisecond, and I will be damned if there was not so much more information. Shout out to News 9 for doing the Lord's work here. The full document stated that the last message Frank actually received from Michaela was at 7.59 p.m. on Friday the 15th. Real weird considering that blabbermouth Frank failed to mention online that he had ever spoken to her after she left for that date. According to the document, Frank had messaged her, just check is everything okay or doing good, to which Michaela reportedly responded with, yeah, it's fine, I'll let you know. If I need you or anything okay, so back off, tell, I ask, or say something to you. Frank's message was the equivalent of a kindergartner trying to send a text, and Michaela's alleged response was a lot like his. Frank is dumber than a rock trying to float, but Michaela was a teacher's aide and was in the process of getting her teaching certificate. She was smart, period. 
She used punctuation and she wouldn't have used N-O instead of K-N-O-W. And she sure as shit would not have used the word tell, T-E-L-L, instead of the word until. But Frank would, and he has. I have been so invested in this shitbird going to jail that I deep-dived every crevice of the planet that he has cursed his presence with and found an old TikTok he made back in 2022. And in that TikTok, he wrote the caption, I love you tell my last day. T-E-L-L. Do with that what you will, but immediately there was no part of me that ever believed that Michaela had sent that message. Michaela's funeral was held on September 30th, and since Frank was still free as a bird, he was there. I spoke to someone who attended who said that his girls were absolutely beside themselves with devastation, but Frank didn't comfort them. According to them, he just stared ahead. There were a few people who said he didn't shed a tear, others who said he faked one or swiped at his eye once, but the consensus was that his girls were absolutely inconsolable and he was nothing of the sort. Though one guy on Facebook did claim that Frank called the police when a group of motorcycles had showed up. I can't confirm nor deny that, but I did see Frank make a comment later alluding to the fact that men on motorcycles may have had it out for him. On October 2nd, Frank did the unthinkable. He decided it would be a good idea to do an exclusive video interview with OKC Fox 25. He went on TV and for the first time acknowledged that the last time he spoke to Michaela was at 8 p.m. on the night she disappeared. Now that the documents are out, he's going to talk about it, I guess. Frank told the station that Michaela was supposed to work at her parents' cafe the next day, but she never showed up. He said he had to break the door down to where she shed so police could get in because he didn't have the key and claims that the sheriff told him he's not a suspect, though a News 9 report stated that the sheriff had not cleared anyone as a suspect. After OKC Fox aired that story, Michaela's sister reached out to them and the station added an update, saying that Michaela's sister does not believe Frank's story and Michaela had recently asked for a divorce. The most shocking part of Frank's interview wasn't the tears or his claims of not being a suspect and how he texts her sometimes because he knows her phone's out there somewhere. It was the announcement of Michaela's cause of death. As far as I could find, it hadn't been shared to the public yet, but Frank told the station that Michaela had been shot. And she had. News 9 reports from that same day state that new court filings indicate that Michaela had been shot in the head twice. And if you recall, that neighbor right down the road commented that she had heard gun shots, plural, just hours after Michaela was last seen alive. And there were two 22 caliber shell casings found under her bed and a 22 caliber rifle found in Frank's home. KOCO came through and got copies of these new court filings. And once again, I slowed down those flip pages to the millisecond and holy shit. The documents state that following Michaela's disappearance, two different phones had been used to make calls from her phone number, which sounds to me like someone took the SIM card out of her phone and slid it into another one. KOCO added that one of those phones was used to change Michaela's Facebook password on the day she disappeared. We know that police had found that rifle in Frank's home, but according to these documents, they also found work boots with what appeared to be a blood-like substance on them. At this point, people were starting to get 
pissed that Frank hadn't been arrested yet. But a captain with the sheriff's department told News 6, if we could arrest people on gut feelings, there would be a lot of people going to jail, but not a whole lot of people going to prison. And honestly, that's the most simple explanation and a really good one. It is 100% factual. Just because something seems obvious doesn't mean that you can prove it to an impartial jury beyond a reasonable doubt. People can invoke a speedy trial and you want to have all of your ducks in a row because you get one shot. We don't get double jeopardy. If Frank is guilty, we want him arrested one time. We want him in jail the whole time and we want him convicted the only time. The captain went on to say, we want to do justice for the family. We want to do justice for Michaela. So we want to do it correct. He also said it was possible that there was more than one person involved, which is something that the public had speculated. Frank is actually smaller than Michaela, and with the public speculation of whether or not they think he's involved with Michaela's murder, came the question of how could he have possibly rolled her body into that carpet and gotten it inside of that culvert on his own. But again, this is just speculating because Frank hadn't been charged with anything yet. Yet. Someone claiming to be one of Frank's family members actually used his size as his defense, though, saying that Michaela could have taken Frank if she wanted to. On October 4th, Frank took to Facebook and wrote, Due to the hit being on my head, someone attempted last night, and I'm just posting this just to make everyone aware that I will not running away. I'm tired of the threats. I'm tired of the harassment. I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. And everything will come out. I just wish people would stop running me through the mud when there has not been no arrest and no suspects. Just let law enforcement do their job. They will. So they can find the person who killed my wife. They will. That last sentence was not going to age well and is still publicly up on his public Facebook page. But everything that happened next is going to have to wait until next week. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Michaela's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there today at noon Eastern, Mondays, noon Eastern, where you go live with me and talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just two whole dollars a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. I was recently able to finagle getting Patreon to show up on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, you should have just a little banner that you can click to listen ad-free because I know you guys don't listen to podcasts, listen to the ads, but it is a part of, you know, the whole thing. Anywho. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you would like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you part two next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. We are officially at the end of this episode, which means that it's time to share a review that made my whole entire day. This one is from Low Not On The Radio. 
Heather's style of telling cases is definitely in a caliber of her own. When Heather speaks on a case, it feels like I'm on FaceTime with a best friend. As Heather speaks on the case with such passion, it triggers my emotions from the eyebrow raise to the WTFs to a few tears of happiness with Heather's comedic sarcasm to the culprits and heartbreak of empathy for the victims and the families. Heather, the passion and empathy you have erupts through you on BMTC and it's beautiful. Thank you for BMTC. And together we can keep being big mad over true crime. I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. I mean it. Oh, low on the radio. You're so sweet. That was really nice. You're the best. All right, you guys, if you have gotten this far, you have reached the hot take of this episode brought to you by dear God. There's so much I want to say here that I'm having to save for part two. I didn't intend on this being a two part episode. It was it was happening right now. So I was like, oh, we're going to put this in the news. We're going to follow it together. And then there was just so much and it was happening all the time. And then I was like, if, OK, whatever. Spoiler alert. Who gets arrested? Thank God. Right. But if <laughs> most people aren't going to read this uh, or read it. No, listen. Anywho. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to be able to talk about how big of a fucking dirtbag he is um, without me being accusing somebody who's not charged with anything. So I held off thinking that he is going to be arrested any freaking moment. But he wasn't because science takes time and investigations take time. And it was very frustrating. So I had to remove things around and double case up to make sure that we could do this case justice because Michaela deserves justice. What you're going to hear. I mean, if you thought that you hated this guy in this episode, you are not prepared for what is coming in the next episode. He's Jane, son of a bitch. He's dirty, son of a bitch. He's a lion, son of a bitch. We hate Frank. Frank sucks. Frank is what goes bump in the night. Frank is why women are afraid of DMs. Frank is why online dating is scary. And you're going to learn a whole lot more about that next week. Dear Lord. Nobody's ready. Nobody's ready. It's fucking nuts. No. Those poor kids, dude. Poor fucking kids. Michaela. I mean, if you just look at the people who know her and love her, she was a gem. She was incredible. She was tough and stern as a mom, but she was also loving and caring. And she cared about your feelings and your emotions. And she wanted you to do well in school. She wanted you to be a good friend. And she wanted you to grow up to be somebody, to be somebody. She was working hard. And man, this dude, oh, men. There's going to be somebody listening to this like, she hates men. I hate murderous men. All right. Okay. I could go on and on, but I'm trying not to give too much away. I mean, I did give away that he gets arrested next week, but like, I think we all kind of saw where that was going. And you could Google this anyway and see that. Oh my gosh, he's wearing a smock in his picture. Oh, I'm not going to give away too much. Okay. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. I got a core part two. Okay, I love you. Bye.